Hello and welcome to AVSJ Podcast. I'm back with my buddy Aaron. How are we doing today, Aaron? Hello. I'm good, thank you. Jules, how are you? Uh, tip top. Cannot complain tip once again. Tip top. That's good news. I know. That's how <laughs> we live pleased. now. Tip top. Yeah. Well, that's great. <laughs> and what are we talking about? <laughs> uh, this week, we're doing another classic albums. Another classic albums. People love the first one. Yeah, to be fair, we did get some... Did get some good feedback from that yeah that tribe called quest one yeah and uh yeah if you never listen to the podcast like doesn't matter if you listen to this one or the tribe one but order listen in your own order it's fine yeah we don't really have a lot of continuing themes <laughs> we don't have storylines to follow so <laughs> you should be all right um but also on the note of feedback give us some feedback because <laughs> um, because people like the last one so we've got another one right here and you're in it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And if there's other things that you like, let us know. And then you might be in them as well. Yeah. So that's You'll get it. an indirect shout out like we did for the person who liked the Tribe episode. Exactly. Persons. Oh, mm. oh I only knew of one person. I can't say it on air, Jules. <laughs> <laughs> um, but now we're back with another one. And it's also yeah. a bit topical. Yeah. Because we're coinciding with... Well, ish, the release of the new Biggie Smalls documentary on Netflix, which has kind of triggered us into talking about Ready to Die by the yep. notorious B.I.G. Biggie Smalls. I know how it feel to wake up fucked up. Pockets broke as hell, another rock to sell. People look at you like you's the user, selling drugs to all the losers, mad Buddha abuser. But they don't know about the stress-filled game. Baby on the way, mad bills to pay. That's why you drink Tangeray, so you can reminisce and wish you wasn't living so devilish. Shit, I remember I was just like you, smoking blunts with my crew, flipping over 62s, because GED wasn't B-I-G. I got P-A-I-D, that's why my mom hate me. She was forced to kick me out, no doubt. Then I figured out, it's went for 20 down south. Packed up my tools for my raw power moves. Block 19 for casket and flower moves. Arguably one of the most classic albums. Yeah. So definitely fits with our classic album series. Yes. Um, yeah, the documentary is called I Got a Story to Tell after one of his songs on Life After Death. They don't mention that song at all. Yeah, they just play it at the end. Yeah. Which was quite nice, but like, yeah, they don't really, they don't talk a lot about Life After Death, like the actual tracks on it. No. Um, because I think a lot of other things were going on when it got released, <laughs> aka Biggie died. Yeah. Uh, Spoiler alert. So, <laughs> 25-year-old story. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, so with me and Aaron not at the same time and not together watch the documentary mm-hmm. and yeah i feel like we were both pretty nostalgic about what was going on in the documentary mm-hmm. and we've spoken on previous episodes especially in the quarantines episode mm-hmm. about ready to die um so we thought let's do a deep dive of the album yes um a little brief thing about the documentary just before we go into it um mm. it kind of i mean we both enjoyed it that's me speaking on your behalf. You also enjoyed it. <laughs> I did. Yes. I actually thought it was not going to be that good before I watched it. I basically, because I was worried that like, I've seen so many things about Biggie and Tupac and hmm. Biggie and Tupac. Um, so I thought, what are they actually going to say that hasn't been done a billion times before? 
Yeah. But I thought they did it pretty well, to be honest. They had a lot of like interviews with people he's grown up with, mm -hmm. his mum. Uh, I think it was executive produced by P Diddy. Mm -hmm. uh, so he obviously is like was close to Biggie. Had a bit yeah. more of an inside scoop. So keep your slander. Keep your Diddy slander away from this documentary because <laughs> <laughs> he's not hearing it and it won't be represented. <laughs> um, and what is also nice about the documentary is there's a lot of like home video footage. One of his friends like recorded loads of stuff when they were on tour and loads of it's in the documentary. So you get a lot of footage of Biggie that you may not have seen before. I definitely haven't seen a lot of it before. Yeah. I'm wondering, like, what was he doing sitting on that footage for so long? Because I read as well online that um, the documentary, the director, I can't remember what his name is, I think Emmett Malloy or something like that. Mm -hmm. He said that it took them four years to make this documentary. Mm. So you got to think, like, if they started making it in, what, 2017, 20 years after Biggie died, what was he doing with this footage for 20 years? Yeah, he must have just been sat on it like, hmm. I don't reckon they want it. Like, the man's not really out there. I think probably what happened was uh, the tapes or something then, like, got given to Biggie's mum or his manager or the estate or whatever. Mm. And then when this director approached them, then they were like, here are some tapes. And then he just got to watch, like, all these, like, tapes from behind the scenes tours. Mm. Which must have been pretty cool for him yeah. to see that for yeah. the first time. I will say the documentary doesn't go into... A, like, it, there's some things that it focuses on and some things that it doesn't. It kind of focuses mainly about his life in relation to music. So, like, his wife is on it, but there's no real mention of him getting married. There's a lot of, like, mm. personal things in his life that are missed out. But then there's also a lot of stuff in the music that's missed out. Um, like, it doesn't go into any of the two-pack stuff particularly. Like, it briefly touches on it, um, which is probably mm. for the best because there's, like, full documentaries on that. Um, but then it doesn't really go into any of the themes particularly. Um, there's a bit where he goes to North Carolina, and it kind of seems like, and as I said before, hold your diddy slander, put that to the side it kind of seems like um diddy calls him on the way to north carolina and he's like don't go there it'll go badly for you and it's painted yeah. as if they turn the car around and yeah. and they come and make an album when in reality he goes to north carolina and he goes to prison for like nine months and then he comes yeah. back and makes an album. and they miss out they miss out the prison thing entirely that doesn't get a mention <laughs> um but if you like biggie you'll like this documentary I would say. Yeah. And even if you yeah. don't, you'll probably... like. If, even if you're a semi-fan, you'll probably like it. To be fair, it's really, really well made. Mm -hmm. You can tell... You can tell Diddy made it because it's very high budget. <laughs> yeah, the shots of Diddy are immaculate. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, it's good because, like, it talks a lot about... Like, obviously, everyone knows that he's from Bed-Stuy mm. in Brooklyn mm -hmm. and that he used to sell crack and then he became a rapper... But it goes into a lot more detail about, like, kind of the bridge of him being a hustler mm -hmm. and then deciding to focus on music. I think it goes into quite a lot of detail on that. And it does quite some, it does some quite good stuff in terms of, like, talking about how the geography of where he grew up shaped him. Mm. And yeah. um, a lot of good family stuff. There's lots of clips of his mum, and his mum's actually really quite funny. Yeah. Um, his mum, fun fact not to ruin the documentary, said that she only listened to his albums once. 
Yeah, after he died as well. Yeah, because he said um, her neighbour came over to him to her and said that there's loads of profanity out on the album and she can't believe what little Christopher is saying. <laughs> and he said they're not made for people over 30. You should stop listening to them, Mum. <laughs> It's not for you. <laughs> and so she didn't. Yeah, but that over 30s comment is quite funny because, like, hip-hop, older hip-hop heads who are like, ah, oh, it was better in the 90s and whatever. Like, obviously, mm. they're now over 30. Mm. So, like, in Biggie's words, it's not for them, but they're also the intended target. Yeah, which is quite well, funny. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we'll get into more later on, like, how... This album has yeah. left a legacy and how it stood the test of time. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's our little recap on the documentary. We both recommend that you watch it if you're interested. Let's get into the album uh, a bit more properly. So Ready to Die, released in 1994. Um, Biggie's first album. He'd already had a bit of success with Party and Bullshit, but that was just like a single that was kind of like known around the hip-hop community a bit but wasn't like breaking into the mainstream or anything like that um Mm -hmm. but yeah as we kind of said before like he was a hustler he was like preparing to go to north carolina to sell crack there gets put in prison and then when he comes out he's like focused on making the music and one of the things that the documentary says uh it talks about one of his friends Oli who Mm -hmm. was a big hustler with him. He, they did a lot of drug dealing together, but then Mm -hmm. Oli gets murdered and Biggie's like, I need to get out of the game and into rapping properly. Yes. And one of the biggest themes throughout the album, as is obviously evident in the title, is kind of death and mortality. Mm. Um, And it's kind of prevalent throughout the whole thing of much like we said with Telephone um, a couple of weeks ago, as much as I said there's no storylines to this, um, if you do listen to that, then you've got a good comparison point here. Um, it's talking about how like African-Americans are marked with death as soon as they're born. Mm. And you get that very clearly because the album starts, the interlude that starts the album, um, sorry, the intro that starts the album, mm-hmm. uh, is him being born. Uh, to the music of Superfly, which is fun, <laughs> uh, which actually is really good in kind of creating an image of him. And yeah. then if you end before the bonus tracks, obviously, it ends with his suicide and it has kind of bits, aspects of his life throughout about how kind of the inescapable nature um, of his life, how you're always marked for death or mm. prison or something like that. Kind of, uh, I think, maybe an accidentally political album. But I wouldn't call it a political Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a, a reflection of governmental policy mm-hmm. that prejudices disadvantaged communities. But mm-hmm. yeah, I don't think that's not what an intention. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's what I mean. Um, the context also in that intro, you've got um, snippets from uh, Snoop Dogg, not uh, again like it's a sample. Uh, and that's kind of around the same time that Dre and Snoop are blowing up on mm. the West Coast. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of that's the era, era, era that he's coming out in mm. um, when hip hop's kind of changing a bit. Mm. Um, and he's very much representative of that change. 
Yeah. And I think as well, I know we said there's no continuity by going to do another one. We talked <laughs> on the one about uh, Tribal Quest, um, about how jazz was really influencing their production. And one of the things you learn about in the documentary is that obviously Biggie had Jamaican roots, so that kind of influenced his musical or creative output. But he lived next door to this jazz player, this jazz saxophonist, who was kind of like a bit of a father figure to him. And Biggie would like study jazz and study bebop. And then you could kind of tell from the way that his cadence or his like word, not his wordplay, but like his flow in his lyrics you could tell that he had like a really strong jazz and bebop influence from the way that he was using rhythm in his voice mm. and that's something they also do really interestingly in the documentary because they like play an acapella of biggies and the guy talks about how they used to do these exercises where he'd have to like flow in time to like some um improvisational jazz drums so mm. he, he was mastering his flow from like a very young age yeah um, as you said before, and like obviously it starts with the birth in the first track and then his suicide at the end. And I think mm-hmm. kind of it's kind of a concept album in the sense of like it's just the chronicles of the life of someone from Brooklyn at this time mm-hmm. who doesn't have that many prospects, doesn't have that many opportunities. How mm-hmm. do they make their way in this world yeah. where things are kind of already set against them? Yeah, and you get that straight away with um, In Things Done Changed, where he says the line where he's like, if I wasn't in the crack game. If I wasn't in the rap game, I'd probably have a key knee deep in the crack game because the streets is a short stop. Either you're slinging crack rock or you got a wicked jump shot. Shit, it's hard being young from the slums, eating five-cent gums, not knowing where your meal's coming from. And now the shit's getting crazier and major. Kids younger than me, they got the sky grand pages. Going out of town, blowing up. Six months later, all the dead bodies showing up. It made me want to grab the nine and the shoddy. But I gotta go identify the body. Damn, what happened to the summertime cookouts? Every time I turn around, a nigga getting took out. Shit, my mama got cancer in her breast. Don't ask me why I'm motherfucking stressed. Things done change. And, and then he also makes reference to basketball. And not yeah. to again reference back to another episode, but it's like that thing where we were talking about the only way to escape um, hood life is to either be a drug dealer yeah. and then you'll die, and that's how you get some upward mobility without dying, obviously, or yeah. to become a rapper or an athlete. Yeah. And he's saying, like, those are my only paths. And it's kind of the whole album is just kind of reflecting on his life. Um, it's quite a dark album, obviously coming out in the time where he's just come out of prison and also reflecting on his friend's death. Um, mm. And it's not very optimistic, really, apart from when he's being like braggadocious and talking about mm. um, how great things could be for him. But it's, it's a really interesting kind of sight into the picture he's creating for his life. Yeah. And obviously the album is called Ready to Die. And there is a song called Suicidal Thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's also a song called Ready to Die where he says I'm ready to die uh-huh. and it starts with his birth <laughs> yeah but he kind of makes a point in the documentary that he is not suicidal mm-hmm. like he does not want to kill himself he's not depressed it's just like kind of a, the feeling that he would get when he was 
in poverty or like having to hustle that he just didn't really want to live that life but he mm. kind of it was like a necessity to live that life mm -hmm. and to link back to what i was saying before where it's an interesting comparison to compare it to telephone by no name um they both are kind of have this idea of you being followed by death everywhere you go and they both end with kind of each artist reflecting on their life and i mean with no names it's everyone's talking about their funerals and with this it's biggie's taking his own life mm. um and i do think there's quite a lot to unpack in comparing those two albums obviously they're incredibly different um maybe it's something i should write about if the feedback wants me to write about it <laughs> because i don't write about things often um but yeah, I think it's just really interesting when you get these two different perspectives because obviously she's coming at it from like quite a childish perspective that we spoke about where it's like kind of a bit mm. happy-go-lucky but also reflecting the darkness whereas his is more from like the thug life kind of I'm on the streets, I'm selling mm. crack. There's a lot There's more gritty. There's nowhere for me to go. Yeah, exactly. Other themes on the album, Jules. I mean, we've just mentioned drugs as well. Yeah, so obviously he is a drug dealer. There is yeah. a lot about drug dealing and a lot about mm. violence and a lot about killing other people which is mm -hmm. kind of expected in 90s rap um mm -hmm. same with a lot of sex and misogyny also very in yeah. keeping with 90s rap yeah i mean slightly interest well definitely interesting that it's coming from someone who wouldn't normally have been seen as like a sex symbol mm. um if you look at biggie you may understand what I mean. Um, <laughs> he's not like your typical, like if you think of LL Cool J at that time or yeah. like D'Angelo, like he's not your typical like ripped, like sex symbol. He was like just, just this big guy, kind of slow. He didn't like dance around a lot on stage, but he just kind of had this confidence um, and the way that he rapped, which created the character around him. Mm. which is quite interesting, but it still does, um, reflecting back on it now, sometimes it feels a little bit weird. Not because of him, but I mean, just the misogyny. Mm. But it's interesting as well, because I feel like in this album, where it's really gritty, and he talks about on the track Suicidal Thoughts, like he likes wearing black Tims and black hoodies. Mm. And like, there's really, well, depends on your personal preference, but there's not mainstream sexual icon oh no <laughs> but, then but then after this album then he talks a lot more about like designer clothes and mm -hmm. luxurious life which is more sexual icon yeah and i think once he like gets into that stardom post this album then mm -hmm. i think he kind of sees him more as a bit of a sexual figure which is that is true but then at the same time you've got songs like big puffer where he's like in the music video he's got like that cane and he's got like he starts wearing these little hats i can't even describe what they are they're not bowler hats but they're like <laughs> they've got like wide brims um and he's trying to like create himself as a bit of like a pimp figure yeah um so it is definitely still there and yeah. you've got songs like um well you've got songs like me and my bitch and friend of mine and like the interludes like fuck me interlude where it's just yeah. and the end of respect where they're all a bit like mm, yeah okay <laughs> you have sex <laughs> yeah that is true that is true i think it's more like yeah he does definitely talk about sex and misogyny in his lyrics but mm -hmm. his like appearance is much more 
gritty hustler vibe mm -hmm. and then once he gets more famous it's more designer luxurious mm -hmm. vibe one thing we haven't said is it's an incredible album yeah it's <laughs> if you didn't know by now <laughs> it's a really good album <laughs> um considering made in 1994 i'd yeah. say apart from those few things that we've mentioned where it kind of doesn't translate that well it is yeah. fairly t timeless i'd yeah. say and i do think a lot of what makes it so so timeless though as well as obviously biggie and the work that he does is i think the production like the production yeah. on it is really good it's mostly done by this guy easy mo b um who just like gets a really perfect sound for working with biggie i'd say mm. like the two complement each other so well. There are obviously other producers on there, like Suicidal Thoughts is Lord Finesse, and Unbelievable is DJ Premier. Um, but I think the sound of it, it do as much as it sounds like 90s era music, mm -hmm. sometimes it sounds like, ooh, music that's trapped in the 90s. Do you know what I mean by mm. that? No, not really, please explain. Like, <laughs> like sometimes, sometimes with some two-pack songs, not to throw shade, uh -huh. or some other artists around that era I feel like it doesn't translate as well or doesn't survive the test of time as well mm -hmm. because the production um, isn't up to the same sort of standard and people mm -hmm. say that about Nas all the time they always say that he was bad at picking beats mm -hmm. apart from obviously on Illmatic um, whereas I feel like with this the production is really good throughout yeah. the whole thing yeah. and that yeah. helps it um, sustain yeah it's quite impressive to be able to convey a tone which so perfectly describes early 90s New York America that mm -hmm. also feels relatable in 2021 yeah I say it does stand the test of time although obviously it's dated in some parts um, mm -hmm. in particular misogyny but at the same time you can say that about most rap in the 90s so mm -hmm. maybe unfair to pin it all on Biggie <laughs> um, <laughs> but in terms of legacy as well like this album shot him into stardom yeah. and uh, he's remained there ever since admittedly yeah. like him being killed and the whole beef with Tupac like kind of made them immortalised yes but I think he probably would have stayed as famous as he was then now well I think Biggie does something that I think you also get with like Jay-Z and with Kendrick where they appeal to mass audiences because they've got songs like well for Biggie like songs like Juicy and Big Papa but you also have songs that appeal to the actual core hip-hop fans mm. like Give me the loop. My man Imp left a tech and a nine at my crib. Turned himself in, he had to do a bid. A one to three, he be home the end of 93. I'm ready to get this paper, G. You with me? Motherfucking right. My pockets looking kind of tight. And I'm stressed. Yo, Biggie, let me get the vest. No need for that. Just grab the fucking gap. The first pocket that's fat. The tech is to his back. Word is born, I'ma smoke him. Yo, don't fake no moves. What? Treat it like boxing. Stick and move. Stick and Nigga, move. you ain't got to explain shit. I've been robbing motherfuckers since the slave ship with the same clip and the same four five two point blank a motherfucker sure to die that's my word nigga even try to vote God have his mother sing it it's so hard yes love like I said 
Juicy and Big Papa, like obviously huge songs. Those are songs that would have got radio play at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but for your more like hip hop head, like people that were maybe more into like hieroglyphics and kind of like underground people, mm. um, the songs like Gimme the Loot, where he's actually being quite experimental, um, maybe have more of an appeal. Like the the beat for that is so like mm, it's like hard hitting, and you're instantly put into this vibe mm. and. It's a it's a storytelling track where he's playing two different characters, mm-hmm. um, and I didn't realize for so long that he's both rappers on the track. Did you? Mm. I mean, I did think that it was like they do sound different to each other, the two voices, but at the same mm-hmm. time they both sound like Biggie. So I kind yeah. of assumed that it was him, but I do know what you mean. Where like it does sound like two different people. Yeah, and it's supposed to be like him doing a robbery but the other character is also like a younger him or something mm. like that um and it, the way that he tells the story is really good and they flow obviously him and him have good chemistry <laughs> um, but like the way it does a back and forth between the two of them is like really it's like gripping and it's yeah it's different from what was going on in the mainstream yeah for sure um and i think with juicy it's interesting because I mean, rags to riches stories in hip hop are not new, and I don't think they were very new at that time. But to go on mm. about like production, as we were talking about before, the sample that they use, I think Biggie, if I remember correctly, and I don't think this is in the documentary, is just like a story that he really did not rate the sample. Mm-hmm. He was like, "This is corny. I don't want to do this," and P Diddy mm-hmm. kind of convinced him to do it. And now you probably say that is. Mm-hmm. His biggest song, probably. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the biggest songs, isn't it? Yeah, but that's like, also kind of a point of the, like, it's so popular that what is a rags to riches story and meant to be heartfelt will get, like, played at clubs and shit and, like, became a bit mm-hmm. of an anthem or, like, a ballad kind of vibe. Um, mm-hmm. Which is why, yeah, like, if you just knew him from that song, you would not think of him as, like, gritty, hardcore rapper, which... The rest of the album yeah. does kind of convey. Yeah, but I say, but what I meant by me saying like it's the biggest song, like mm. it's one of the biggest rap songs of all time. Yeah, like, for sure, for sure. Like, so I would say almost everybody that would call themselves a Biggie fan or would say they're a fan of that era of music probably knows all the words to that song. Mm. Yeah, I would probably agree with that. Even though. <laughs> It's not my favourite song on there because, I mean, I think probably because of its status as mm. as um, like being just so popular and played all the time. It's still a fucking classic, isn't it? Mm. Like, it's just so good. Um, Talk about dated lyrics, though. There is one bit where he uh, says, blow up like the world trade. And when I was yeah. younger and I heard this, I was like, hold on, this got released in 1994 and 9-11 was in 2001 what the hell has gone on here and uh (laughs) well apparently there was like a attempted bombing at the world trade center in the early 90s not as famous (laughs) as the one that did happen but uh (laughs) yeah i feel like now when you kind of listen to that lyric is a bit obviously it's not what he meant but it's definitely got a different meaning to it yeah it's interesting isn't it think about the things that Biggie's predicted. <laughs> <laughs> Jules, how old were you where you were like, ah, oh, 
hmm, hang on a minute, this came out in 1994. And the <laughs> probably probably like 11 or 12. I was probably like 11 and you or 12. And you knew when the World Trade Center got blown up and you knew when the album came out. You yeah. had those well, as, as yeah. reference points. Yeah, by 11, 11 or 12, I think I think you, you would know that. I've painted myself as an idiot now, haven't I? <laughs> I think, like, you know that 9-11 was in 2001. You know that Biggie was rapping in the 90s. Okay, fine. Fine, Jules. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was wildly fine. off topic. <laughs> <laughs> you know that. <laughs> Usually at the end of the episode, we finish with some recommendations, but with these like classic album episodes, the artist profile ones, we just kind of recommend like this, this album is a recommendation uh so instead we <laughs> just kind of talk about like some key tracks ones that we really love ones that we maybe want to shout out a bit more um so aaron you said that you wanted to start talking about the what featuring method man yeah i mean one of only two features on the album the other one's diana king on respect um mm. and i just don't feel like actually ironically i don't feel like it gets the respect the what deserves. <laughs> um, it's one of my favourite songs on there. Nothing really happens. It's not like a typical song that I'd like because I like t- stories or concepts. Um, yeah. Whereas it's actually just Method Man and Biggie Smalls just going back to back. Um, and they've got really good chemistry. Almost as good as Biggie and Young Biggie. Um, <laughs> and... <laughs> Uh, the production's really good there is one thing in the beat that annoys me but I think that's just because I've listened to the song so many times there's a click I hope that doesn't ruin the song for anyone because (laughs) I cannot unhear the click in the the loop Um, but yeah I mean I think part this will sound stupid but the line that did it for me um and there's so many lines throughout the whole album. Like, it's such a quotable album. But the line that did it for me is... Um, I, can't re- I can't remember who he's referring to. But somebody, he says, is irritating like the hiccups. <laughs> and, <laughs> he, and when he says that, he goes like, hiccups. <laughs> and, <laughs> and like that just for some reason that line i had to keep coming back and listening to this song and just ah oh, the way method man comes ah oh, the whole song is so good i know that's terrible yeah. analysis to just say ah oh, so many times but that's how i feel about this song for some reason um it's not my favorite song on the album but it's in my top five i'd say and it's an album yeah. with nearly 20 songs if you have the extended version so that's in my top quarter i'm just trying to find the line that i really like in it uh oh yeah no the line that i really like in that song is i'm not a gentleman i'm a method man baby accept it utmost respect it and (laughs) and i was like you know what method man you are you 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 got some bars i can't i can't deny it Yeah, uh, and also, sorry, a bit of a tangent. Um, things done changed. The like first line from that is sampled in on the latest Rhapsody album. Oh yeah, on that song with RZA and um, D'Angelo. 
And that song is also just got another sick Wu Tang feature, and it's just another sick song. And I'm not even mm. a big Wu Tang fan, but that, <laughs> these two songs, why not listen to them side by side and have a lovely yeah. time? <laughs> do it. Um, Jules, have you got another key track you want to talk about? Uh, yeah, I do actually. The track that I really like on this album is Unbelievable, which, as we mentioned before, produced by DJ Premier. But the beat is so hard. And then when he just comes in with Live from Memphis, Memphis and the Livest One. Representing BK to the fullest, gats are bullet. Bastards ducking when Big B bucking. Chicken heads be clucking in my back room fucking. It ain't nothing. They know Big B handling with the Mac in the act door paneling. Bandaging MCs, oxygen, they can't breathe. Mad tricks up the sleeve. We're boxers so my dick can breathe. Such a hard track. Um... That's what I have to say on that. I just have to say you did that absolute justice to your delivery. As good, if not better. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's such a hard song. I don't know, like, the, the beats on this album are so sick, but I would probably go as far to say as that is the best beat on the entire album. Do you think so? Yeah. A song that we haven't even spoken about, but I really like the beat of, it because it's a, a, a horrible song. <laughs> in its format but the beat on um, Dreams brackets just playing mm. I think I probably said this on a former episode the beat for that song is so sick yeah I mean as as I've said the, the version of this album that I had on iTunes or whatever on my iPod didn't have the bonus track mm -hmm. that's just a song that has escaped my oh. memory forever <laughs> oh well you're lucky because he's gross <laughs> in Unbelievable there is a bit where he says, um, uh, where he's like, I think he's kind of like threatening someone with a gun and he says like, get ready to die. Tell God I say hi. <laughs> and like the smoothness of his delivery, obviously ready to die is the name of the album. So we've yeah. got a double meaning there that other people are ready to die as well as Biggie Smalls. <laughs> um, but, but just tell God I say hi. Like his delivery yeah. is just, ah, uh, he's so, he's so fun and funny. He's amazing. Um, he is amazing. He does he does the job. Um, in contrast to Fun and Funny, my other song that I would like to draw attention to, and without <laughs> doubt, I think, my favourite track, probably from yeah. Biggie Full Stop, is Suicidal Thoughts. When I die, fuck it, I want to go to hell. Because I'm a piece of shit, it ain't hard to fucking tell. It don't make man. sense going to heaven with the goody goodies dressed in white. I like black Tims and black hoodies. Gotta probably have me on some real strict shit. No sleeping all day, no getting my dick licked. Hanging with the goody goodies, lounging in paradise. Fuck that shit, I want to tote guns and shoot dice all my life. That's definitely my most listened to song of his. Yeah. Um, just really well written, um, really well performed, so smooth um, with the way that, I mean, it's a song talking about his suicide and that is how the album ends, um, or his potential suicide, obviously he didn't actually kill himself. Um, and it brings the whole album to a close really nicely. So you have the whole contrast of that from the birth at the start. Um, the lyrics are just so good. The beat is kind of quite minimal, but also really good. And you have the like little background voices like, oh no, like kind of reacting to the voicemail that he's leaving them. Yeah. Um, and also at the end with, uh, I assume it was 
P. Diddy, like he's the voice at the end. Mm. I'm, I'm, I need to double check that. But when he's like shouting like, big chill, big chill. And he's yeah. just saying like, this is how I'm going now. I've decided now. Yeah. It's pretty, pretty chilling stuff. Yeah, especially with that little echo and the like, hail big. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then it also almost sounds like hail big. So... <laughs> That's another that's another thing for you. <laughs> Is that on purpose, Jules? <laughs> um, I I'm not I'm not saying that you know you are suicidal, but you do have a tendency on the last few episodes to really big up dark and suicidal thoughts. I just think the way sometimes the grittiness in the storytelling for those kind of darker songs is mm. maybe more effective or more impactful for me mm. than you can get with a song about a lovely day. As much as I love yeah, a lovely fair. day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's more just from the ABS Year Awards that we did where it's like, Baldy James, it's, everything is terrible and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Mag Miller, he's dead. Chet <laughs> <laughs> go, all his friends are dead and he doesn't know what to do. <laughs> It's very on brand for you to say Suicidal Thoughts was your favourite album, favourite song on the album. Uh, yeah, my favourite song by him, full stop. Yeah, but yeah true, maybe that's true. just what I maybe that's just what I like. Maybe. What is your favourite song on the album or do you not have one? Or did uh, you say it's unbelievable? Actually? Yeah, Sorry. unbelievable, I would say. I also really like Respect mm-hmm. um, because I think it's the song on the album that sounds the most different from the rest. Yeah, definitely. Um and obviously, like, as we said before, he's got Jamaican roots and this kind of like really comes through in this song mm-hmm. and this good storytelling song, like painting the picture of uh, his childhood and his life. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I would say Respect is another one of the top tracks on the album. I, w- I, w- I would say there are a couple songs on the album that I do skip. Mm. It is still, for me, a really, really good album and a top three album like i said um but there are a couple skippables on there um i mean the interlude the fuck me interlude obviously that can go (laughs) (laughs) um i can't think if it is it one more chance i'm thinking of that's on oh biggie give me one more chance. yeah that isn't what i was thinking of me and my bitch i think is skippable for me and friend of mine yeah the thing is me and my bitch is a really interesting song because like it's full of misogyny mm-hmm. and full of talking about women as as, as if they're a possession mm-hmm. which is obviously bad but then the storytelling is amazing yeah and, like it's written really well but so like it's quite a difficult listen in some aspects yeah and you know what it isn't even necessarily that which um is the problem for me i just i think i just don't vibe with it as a song um but Mm. i do appreciate what he's like i do appreciate the talent on display there in how he's put the song together Mm. but i think for me maybe it's just not it's just not a track for me so yeah that's our that's our deep dive on ready to die by biggie smalls Mm -hmm. Uh, i hope you enjoyed the episode i'm sorry that we said you don't need to listen to previous episodes and then did nothing but go back to things we said in previous episodes. And nothing but apologise about <laughs> <laughs> previous episodes. Yeah, that is our bad, to be fair. 
Yeah, I can only blame Jules. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like we said, it's a classic album. Let us know if you want more classic albums, um, as much as we already know that you do. Um, <laughs> you can even suggest classic albums to us if you've got them. This yep. is one of the best. So. Yeah. I would be surprised. Yeah, I'd be surprised if you'd never listened to this album. But that doesn't mean we're disappointed in you if you haven't. Yeah, but I, I also hope you enjoyed our analysis of it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Next week, don't know what we've got, but it'll be it'll be something. I'm guarantee you that. <laughs> yeah. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Peace out. <laughs>